right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn and Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Hey, we're going to be joined by Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks coming up here. In about 15, 20 minutes from right now, we uh, also are going to have a KU mailbag coming up at 405. So if you have any uh, last second questions to get in, do that right now. Please. Yes. Please ask us questions. It's one of the fun we've got, stuff. We've, we've got some good ones this week, but you could have give us some better ones. Yes, absolutely. So I highly recommend doing that. Um, we will have some audio to get to also. Bill Self. Spoke with the media, as did Jalen Wilson earlier today. That audio we'll have on tomorrow's show. But we'll uh, start the show here talking about one of the things Bill Self did just talk about, and that's kind of the injury updates to where this team is at right now. So against Oklahoma State, KU had a, a couple big injuries. Obviously, Bobby Pettiford, who came in for a brief moment, came back out. He ends up on the bike. Um you know, that would be one to, to note as well. But he was already kind of battling off an injury. I don't know if it's the same thing. Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller, two-year starters, two-year key cogs, two-year players who play tons and tons of minutes, your two best individual defenders on the outside. Both of them suffered ankle injuries. I don't know to what extent either one is. Uh, I don't know the differentiation between like a rolled ankle versus a ankle sprain versus a high ankle sprain versus a grade one versus a grade two versus a grade three. All those things. I don't know what they have. I don't know what it is. We didn't get that type of clarification. It's All I know. There's been a lot of ankle talk. Recently. There has been. Way too much ankle talk. Way too much. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, all these. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so done with ankles, man. Um, but Bill Self said today, Dewan and Kevin have been going through a bunch of treatments. I think he said they've went through like four or five different treatments so far. Um, but they did not practice yesterday. And so today is their first day of practice. The press conference was before the practice, meaning that they haven't seen them yet to see if they can practice, which is unfortunate because now <laughs> we have nothing to go on. And but if they practice, but Bill Self did say if they yeah. practice tomorrow, then they would for sure play on Saturday. Yes. Now he didn't say if they don't practice tomorrow, they could still play Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. But we're not going to know if they practice or not because he's meeting with the media today. I mean, listen, based off of the Oklahoma State game, Dewan pretty much played through his. So you think he, you figure his is maybe a little less serious than, than McCuller? I think so. That would be my indication. Um, right? I mean, isn't that's a pretty safe assumption, right? I think so. Well, I mean, I maybe mean, not. I don't know. Listen, I don't, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a ankle expert, shall we say. No, I mean, I think this goes into it too. Kevin McCuller dealt with ankle injuries his entire career at Texas Tech. Yeah, and last season he ended up, I think, spraining both and ankles. Didn't he roll his ankle earlier in the season too. Like he I think had, he did he had ankle issues earlier in the season. Yes, I want to say there was a game 
that he, I don't know if he missed, but it was like he missed practice or maybe he was questionable for. Because the, the game yeah. he missed against Texas Southern, that was a groin injury. Yeah, which that happened against Tennessee. Tennessee. But, but yeah, I think I, there was another situation where right. he rolled an ankle at one point. I think you're right. So you're just talking about, I mean, some people just have bad ankles. And do you have bad ankles? I do have bad ankles. Really? Yeah. I don't have terrible ankles. Well, that, bad ankles. that's like one of the traits of being tall, right? Is that you're... Is that a trait? Have, I mean, maybe. Well, I think, no, I think it is. Like, don't you, like, right? Isn't it... I don't know. Tall, you have bad knees, bad ankles, because you got to... The knees one, I believe. I, I I don't know. It could be true. It could be true. Um, I I have a friend who has like terrible ankles. So I, I you know you see it. It happens, and I, I think that's just unfortunate. But that's I think kind of the case is, uh, of what we're learning with Kevin McCuller. And that was something that I remember talking briefly about when they first got him. That like you just hope he stays healthy for the full season because he's been unable to do that during his college career. Um, this is kind of worst case scenario for when it would happen over the course of a season. So you just hope that he comes back and you hope he's okay. I, I remember last year at Texas Tech, that was the big discussion that he was turning a corner offensively. Yeah. Because he was averaging like 15 a game. He was shooting like high 30s, mid 30s from three. He was a really good offense player. And then he ended up spraining both ankles. He tried to play through it because he's a really tough kid. And he knew he was important to the team. And he still had a positive impact because of the defense and some of those other things he did. He did but he just didn't have the lift on his jump shot. He just didn't have the offensive game. And that's a little scary that you could have the same thing moving forward. Potentially, and, yeah. And and so I think because this has been kind of a chronic injury for him, it it scares you a little bit more because of the fact that it's like, is this going to open up for even more injury? And I just, you don't want to give up any ground. You don't want to lose to Baylor. And the there is no obvious candidate if you were to do this. But like, there's part of me that wonders if you just go, we should play the long game here. Do we sit no, him? You can't do we sit him for Baylor. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. If he uh, if he's if he's wants to play and is and can play, he's gonna play. I mean, Bill Self has actually said this. I think he said this after the Oklahoma State game, where you want to be the best that you can be night in night out, not just to try to win the Big Twelve or whatever. Like he he made it pretty clear that when it comes to the long game, that's not really necessarily how he views playing in the league, right? So no, you can't sit him. If he's if he can play, if he wants to play, I think you play him. Even See, if it's only like 10 15 minutes. I to me if there now uh, there's always the discussion with with injuries. Cuz I remember whatever game that we previously had this discussion with McCuller about, remember we were like, well, "What if you only play him 10 15 minutes?" And then he played like 28 minutes. Yes. That was and, and yeah, gosh, was that the ankle? Was that an ankle against I think Kentucky it was. too? Okay, so this is just a, a thing. Yeah, um, I think it was. Yeah, because he like stepped on somebody's foot or something. Um, yeah. So I mean, I guess I I don't know how it's cleared. Like I I'm not a doctor to tell you that if you play on a sprained ankle, it has a chance of getting worse or not. I don't know. I don't know either. If they say that it does have a chance of getting worse, I would basically sit him until he's fully 100. percent and I'd rather be like, you know, you lessen your chance by ten percent to win the Big Twelve. I mean, but you you could you win. Can still win the Big Twelve, and, and you could win against Baylor without it. Exactly, and it's looking for the long term. I mean, makes it a lot harder, but yes, you can. Yes, it's it it doesn't look great, but you can still win it. Yeah, so that Brady would be my has a big opinion. Game Jalen has a big game, you know, something like that. I do agree with you that I expect Dewan to be better because Dewan's looked more like a rolled ankle. And again, I don't know the scientific term there. Maybe it's all sprained ankles, but like. 
His didn't look as you know. Normally, you see the ankle gets fully rolled over, and then it's like you get the pressure on it. His wasn't as bad. He also, like you said, he he kept playing on it. Yeah, and I guess Kevin did he keep playing on his or was he out for the no, game? I think he left. Uh, no, he was out for the game. It happened yeah. later in the game. It did. Uh, so that's that's concerning. There, I, I think from from a standpoint of how it affects their play too, like with Dewan. I think on the offensive end, it's it's probably less impactful. Like he can still get to the spots he needs to to pass the ball. Pretty much, yeah. Maybe it affects a little bit his willingness and want to of of taking those floater shots. But he hit a three yeah. in the game after he rolled his ankle. Yeah, like, I don't think it would affect the threes as much. It's those floater shots because if you're if you're willing to take a floater where you're taking a runner, you know you're going to land somewhere. Yeah, and you could and land on, could a foot be on or something. one foot. So that could be a little bit. All of your pressure on one leg. A little bit more difficult there. I think for Kevin, uh, I guess, I don't know, this would probably go for both guys. The defense is going to be the big question for me. Yeah, especially against LJ Cryer, Adam Flagler, and Keontae George. Yes. So if, if, if either one or both are not 100%. Yeah. It's problematic. And so I, I keep going back and forth on this part of it, though. What's that? Remember when they played Baylor last time? They switched five. Yeah, they've been switching five a lot they since have. then. They have. I wonder if they're just going to switch five again, and if they're going to switch five again, does it matter? Does it matter? Because we I mean, saw Baylor in the first game. They kept hunting switches to try to get one of those three guards. Yeah, I mean Baylor's entire offense in the first yeah. game was switch KJ Adams on Adam mm-hmm. Flagler and then ISO. Yes, that was their offense. They didn't do anything else. So I wonder if they just do that again, and then at that point it doesn't really matter. But then again, maybe they'll view it as, "Hey, you're gimpy. Yeah, We're going to switch on to you." Attack. Yeah, why I don't know. They just attack. They might view it as, "Hey, you're playing. You're fine." So I, I, I don't know that kind of like chess match or, or how that goes into it. But certainly, you would think for a game where you are playing the literally the best offense in the Big Twelve, the best offense in the entire country right now. Yeah, that has three quick guards. What do quick guards do? They shimmy shake. They uh, make agile moves. They juke around. They do things that make it very uncomfortable to be shifting on your ankle with. And yeah. for your literally two best defensive players to have both those injuries when they're going to be asked to try to stay in front of these well, tiny little guards, that's that's rather problematic for this match. And beyond all that, you've got other injuries you're still dealing with. Like, yeah, I mean, Zuby, Zuby and Bobby both played. Yeah, by the way, Self said in this regard, Clements, Pettiford, along with Zuby, are available. But I don't know. He said both, so I, I don't know if he meant all three or what. <laughs> are not quite 100 percent, even though they can play if needed. So they're like break yeah, glass exactly. in case so of it's emergency. Like, you know, those guys both played, but I think it's pretty clear that they have a limit on how much they can play. Right? Yeah. I mean, the only reason Zuby came in is because Ernest had Ernest fouled out and KJ had three or four fouls. Yeah. Also. Well, I, don't I think, think I don't think Zuby would have played other than that. I think as much as Kevin's ankle injury scares me more. But Zuby seemed fine. He did. He did. And Bobby seemed pretty fine. Yeah, I think right? Zuby played like eight minutes. I don't know. Bobby, I, I don't know how fine Bobby was. He played like less, three minutes and went confident. back to the bench. Um, as much as Kevin's injury scares me a little bit more in terms of long term because this has been a a problem for him in the past. I think in the short term, if you told me that the injury could keep either guy out, I'd be more concerned about Dewan because then if Dewan is injured and Bobby's injured, you have yes. Joe at the point guard and no one else. Yes, correct. That's <laughs> problematic. 
Whereas at the very least, it's like... like Okay, we just got done saying you could probably beat Baylor without Kevin McCullough. Yeah. Can you beat Baylor without the one I don't Harris? think so. I don't think so. Because if if you don't have Kevin, it's a problem, but like you can You can overcome it. Exactly. You can you can use some more of those lineups, which they're not ideal, but you can at least do it. Where KJ is at the four and you know, Clements or um, if he, if he Uday's play. at the five, yeah, Clemens if he could play, uh, is at the five, and then you have Jalen slide to the three, maybe, or you could play more MJ Rice. Or you could play Joe Yesifu or a little bit of Bobby Pettiford next to Dewan and slide Grady and Jalen down. Like you can get away with it a little bit more than if Dewan were out. Yeah. Especially in just in terms of the rhythm of the offense and being able to score. Which, as you said, Baylor's number one offense. You're gonna need to score. Gonna need to score a little bit in this game. It's just unfortunate. I mean, they've they've kind of had injury issues. The last month or so, but up until yeah. now, it's it's always been the bench guys to which the bench had already been struggling. So it was almost a bit of a shoulder shrug, you know. I mean, you never want to see guys. No, you, you know. don't. But I mean, in terms of how much it affected the team. Yeah, it, I mean, it affected depth, but the depth wasn't really that great. Exactly. Exactly. And now it is affecting some of those starters. And that's scary because you don't have the depth to just easily be like, oh, this guy's out. We'll just plug this guy in. You know, he's really good, too. Yeah. Yeah, what if this know, is maybe the breakout game for MJ Rice? Or what if it? What if it's just the Joe game? What if Joe just goes nuclear? And fourteen against Texas a week ago. What if he has twenty against Baylor? That'd be swell. <laughs> <laughs> but what if it's twenty on like fifty shots? <laughs> I do think this is going to be one of those games because if you are trying to piece it together. And if you are trying to figure out how do we get away with this many minutes for this guy, or if Kevin or Dewan can't play as many minutes as normal, or if one of them's out and you have more minutes to give out, this feels like a game to me that Jalen's going to play 40 minutes. Oh, yeah, easily. And Grady will probably be in the 30 to 35 range. But that also yeah. means you have more emphasis on the guys who are in there. And we've seen this a lot this year. I mean, KJ struggled with foul trouble. Grady's had some games with foul trouble. Jalen last game was in foul trouble. Dewan's had games with foul trouble. Kevin's had, like they've had a lot of players getting foul trouble. This cannot be one of those games. No. No, especially not for KJ and Ernest. Like if if they repeat against Baylor what they did against Oklahoma State, that's going to be a bit more troublesome because you need to score more. But also, I can guarantee you, Bill Self is looking at this game and saying, "Well, we'll just play better defense and not worry about trying mm-hmm. to outscore them." Right? Yeah, that's going to be his philosophy. I'm sure. A lot easier said than done when possibly your two best players are both dealing <laughs> with an ankle injury, whether that keeps them out. Oh, or also your two best defensive players. Yeah, not great. Not great. This is literally the worst time for this to happen, both in terms of your okay. next game and in terms of, of the I season. I don't like those kinds of those kinds Why? of comments though, because getting injured, there's it's always bad. It's always bad. Of course it is. There's no good time to be injured. Of course, but like you you don't think that Kevin McCuller sprain an ankle wouldn't have been better in December than it would have been now? <laughs> you know, while we're a month towards Selection Sunday. I mean, I think as of this past Sunday, we're four weeks away from Selection Sunday. Or maybe it's uh, this next Sunday. Exciting. I don't know. I have to figure out the math there. But, yeah, that is exciting. Uh, yeah, I don't know, actually. But that means we're running out of time. So if you get injured now, probably going to be playing with it it's for a while. probably four weeks from this upcoming Sunday. Because okay. February is a shorter month. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, voice don't of the Don't trust Jayhawks. me on math. <laughs> Brian Haney going to join us next. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depending on it. Welcome back in. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. 
on KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson. Along with me is Nick Springer and joined now by the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. You'll be able to hear him on the call on Saturday's action. KU taking on Baylor in Allen Fieldhouse. Pre-game 1.30, tip-off at 3 o'clock after college game day is going to be in town. Uh, we were just discussing some of the injury uh, I guess news notes with Dewan Harris, Kevin McCuller, and some of the bench players. And uh, I guess what we kind of settled on is um, we're a little more worried about the Kevin McCuller injury just because the Dewan Harris one maybe didn't look as bad on video. Also, Kevin's had the injury stuff to his ankle in some of the years past. But I think we also kind of settled that, you know, if, if you happen to be without one of the two guys for the Baylor game, which who knows, maybe both play, maybe both are out. You hope not. But, um, it's harder to see them beating Baylor without Dewan Harris. So I think long-term Kevin McCullers, short-term Dewan Harris. What's kind of your read on on how these injuries could affect the Baylor game on Saturday? Well, when you're going up against what Bill Self feels is the best trio of guards in the country all on the same team, obviously you want them both because they're both such pivotal and, and tremendously important perimeter defenders, on-ball, lockdown defenders, and Kevin is the best at that, if anybody we've got to, you really want to have him. I agree, though, that Juan's steady hand at the wheel as the point guard and facilitator would be more costly to lose in a one-game scenario. But uh, I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. Um, you know, I'm talking to you guys, so I'm not in practice right now, but I look forward to getting an update from Coach Self at 6 o'clock tonight on how those two played out their afternoon. Coach Shelf said he didn't expect they would necessarily go today, but maybe we'll get a surprise and, and hear that they practiced. If not, he's hopeful they'll practice tomorrow, and if either of them do, they'll be in line to play on Saturday. But I think that my immediate concern over Kevin wasn't quite as bad an hour later. You know, when it first happened, he was in a ton of pain. Greg thought he, he witnessed him saying, I felt it pop as he was walking off the courts saying that to coach self and then uh, you know afterwards uh, after coach gave a, a minor update in which he said that you know it's worse than the one he had in Lexington it's the worst one he's had here at Kansas but not nearly as bad as some of the ones he had at Texas Tech then I go out to the concourse and Kevin's being interviewed by the writers you know standing amongst the fans and he doesn't have a boot on doesn't have ice on it just a, a minor tape job and he seemed to be pretty dismissive of it like he thought he'd be okay obviously when you have a history with ankle injuries as he does you're more prone to getting them more frequently and he's susceptible for sure but I think you also know your body and, and what it takes to, to rally back from that and I'm optimistic he'll be able to go but certainly time will tell and maybe Coach Self can provide more context and insight today on Hawk Talk right here on KLW at 6 but, uh, but yeah I, I think you, you hit the on the head in this one particular game setting most definitely you'd want one of the two but tell you what the way Baylor can fill it up from three whether it's Cryer or Keontae George or Flagler who completely took over the the stretch run of the TCU game out last Saturday when a shorthanded Fogs team looked like it might beat Baylor before Flagler took over you know he's he's a guy you'd love to have the likes of, of Kevin McCullough out there against defensively. So here's hoping we get them both back. Well, that Oklahoma State game certainly feels like uh, what continues on a, a strong run of play here for KU. They've won five of six. Oddly enough, the one loss was not a pretty one, but uh, seems like they're kind of turning the corner 
Uh, does it feel like things are starting to go better? I, I thought the Oklahoma State game was was their most well-executed offensive game. Does it feel like they're starting to hit that kind of vintage Bill Self, KU stride in, in the middle to end of February? It does. And how spoiled are we that that's the case? I mean, the fact that most of his teams really start to, to come into focus and round into form right when it matters most. And then once you get to March, you know, it's all about matchups and staying healthy and catching some breaks. But the fact that inevitably he gets his teams to play their best down the stretch, it's an unbelievable gift that we are so spoiled and fortunate to get to uh, behold every single year, it seems. And when you look at what else is happening around the college basketball landscape with other blue bloods like Carolina who might not make the tournament and doesn't have a single quad one win, or Kentucky, who knows what happens with Coach Calipari there at the end of the season. Duke's obviously gone through a transition. Coach K to Coach Shire and hasn't been the smoothest at times. And yet Coach Self just keeps winning every single year. And, you know, I, I don't know that it will happen at the end of this season, but if not at the end of this year, then early next he'll surpass Fog Allen as the winningest coach in KU basketball history. He's three wins away probably from a, uh, a 17th Big 12 title in 20 seasons, which is nuts, especially in a league this good this year, which I know for the last five years here on Rock Shock Sports Talk, we've been saying, man, this is the best we've ever seen the Big 12. But historically, this is the best. I mean, in terms of uh, seeding, in terms of ranking, in terms of net ranking, this is the best we've ever seen it. And, uh, you know, maybe nothing punctuates that more than you're only as good as your weakest link. And if our weakest link beats a projected one seed in Alabama by 24, granted that was a one-game scenario for Oklahoma, but that, that certainly says a lot about the strength of this conference top to bottom, and yet self just keeps winning. So I say all that to say that it's awesome that they are starting around in the form, and yes, the fact that the supporting cast has been so much better Ever since that setback in Ames where Jalen Wilson had half our points, they only scored 53, and the other starters combined for 18, we've seen the emergence of Ernest Uday. We've seen Grady Dick have his career-high game. We've seen DeJuan Harris be way more aggressive with the ball, looking to score it, whether it's driving it and getting it up on the rim or hitting some outside shots. He's looked really good. Kevin McCuller was the second biggest star on Tuesday night behind Grady, and so everybody has, has kind of raised the collective overall level of this team, and when you've got that type of balance, and it's not just a, a one-headed monster where you can bite the head off the snake and, and kill the rest of the body, that makes us so much more dynamic, such a tougher out, such a tougher team to scout for in March Madness, and I think you've noticed the collective team defense has ratcheted up as well, so hopefully that continues to climb, especially on Saturday against a really explosive firepower-type Baylor team. And then also on Monday where you would think by then you'd see Mike Miles and Eddie Lampkin return, and obviously TCU's as athletic as any club in the conference. So hopefully our defense just keeps on climbing these next two games because this is your chance. That 48 hours between Saturday and Monday you know, you, you could pretty much punch your ticket for at least a share of a Big 12 title based on what's left after that. So let's see if these Jayhawks can go seize the day Saturday and Monday. Looking at that Oklahoma State game, going into it, the Cowboys were a top-five defense nationally. They've been so good down the stretch, and yet Kansas was able to have a lot of success on offense against them. What impressed you most about the offense against Oklahoma State in that win? 
Well, I mean, obviously, when you come off a Saturday when Grady Dick only attempted five shots and uh, didn't attempt a single three, it was a point of emphasis and a major one to get him more involved. And he goes from zero three-point attempts to nine, from five total shot attempts to 17. He looked aggressive in, in hunting his shot, but not forcing it outside of maybe two of those 17 attempts. And he looked better without the ball, which was a big point of emphasis. It's not just Bill Self telling Grady's teammates, hey, find him more. It's Coach Self coaching up Grady saying, you need to be more active without the ball to be in position to receive a pass and have more open looks. And, and I thought that improved for Kansas. But, you know, you look up and down the, the Jayhawks that night and while they didn't necessarily scorch the Nets from three with 36%, hitting eight of them where you know Joe Yesifu comes in and hits a couple for you off the bench, that was a great sight to see because you know for Kansas to, to win on a day where Jalen Wilson was in foul trouble and was held about seven points below his typical output, you love seeing that because come March Madness, if you have to win at least four to get to the Final Four and six to hang another banner, there's going to be a game along the stretch of those six games where your best guy isn't at his best and you need other guys to step into that role. And So to me, Nick, it was the balance of the other players, 15 from McCullough, 15 from Adams, both very efficient 15-point lines, by the way. They were both six of nine in getting theirs. And then Self told us today, no, we really scored on all three levels at the rim, mid-range, and from downtown. You know, they were able to control points in the paint and during certain stretches of the game. Uh, obviously, Boone was great on the other end, too. But Kansas found ways, you know, to be a multifaceted team that scored in different parts of the floor and from different weapons doing the scoring. And that's really the type of balance he wants to see. And I thought we saw it in, in pretty impressive form on Tuesday night. You mentioned that that balance of scoring, but it does kind of feel like for me over the past mm, three or four games or so, there has been an increased emphasis on on scoring in the paint. And in fact, Bill Self had talked about that. What, what do you think that does for the offense when they're able to have that emphasis? And with and especially with the emergence of Ernest Duday being a guy that you can go to in the paint for dunks or easy buckets, how do you think that kind of helps the entire offense get rolling? Well, it's it's a game changer because. I mean, raise your hand if in the first three months of the season on some of our off days did you think, you know, are we a little bit too three-point reliant or dependent? Uh, we're not getting you know, what we used to get when Doak was here and you had you know, three dunks a game just on lobs and, and rim-running finishes. And the emergence of Ernest, not that he's going to go four for four with four dunks every game like we saw in Norman, but even if he gave you a couple of those, man, it just makes offense so much easier. And, and with Juan aggressively driving the ball, whether he finishes himself or gets a, a lob to Ernest or whoever, yeah, that, that, that's the type of easy, high-percentage play. I say easy as if it's simple. It's not. But, but when you've got an athlete with a 7'4 wingspan and a 6'11 height who's got good hands and good timing and he can throw those down, those are the types of high-percentage buckets that if you can count on one of those a half even, that can be what snaps a three-and-a-half-minute field goal drought when the outside shots aren't falling or when you're settling for fading 18-footers. Get something going downhill. Get something up on the rim, and now you've got the size inside to throw it home. So I, I think it makes this offense um, much more capable of avoiding droughts, much more dynamic to try to stop defensively. And as the play-by-play guy's perspective, a hell of a lot more fun to call because we love those dunks. And Ernest gave us a bevy of big-time slams on Saturday. 
We're talking with Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Um, as far as this matchup with Baylor, I, I know you did talk about uh, all the little guards that they have, and, and that's certainly been a storyline for us with discussing how good those players are. Uh, I, I think it was noted well that KU started switching five in the, the first Baylor matchup, and it seems like they've kind of been doing that a lot lately here. Uh, who knows if Dewan and, and Kevin, if they can't go, how that would possibly affect things here. Uh, how do you view how Kansas would try to approach slowing down the Baylor Bears here uh, when you have the number one offense in the country by Ken Palm's adjusted offensive efficiency with so many options coming into town? Great question, and, and I really don't think we can answer it unless we know the availability of, of those two guys because, you know, clearly McCullough's your best defender. Juan is brilliant at getting his hands in and getting steals, but your best lockdown guy, uh, you know, best – pick up the slack for his teammates around him guy is McCuller. And so any defensive game plan would start with McCuller and, and obviously have, have Harris right there in the 1B spot. So it's, it's tough to say. And, and the other thing we have to wonder about is you know, Jonathan Samachachu is back and averaging about 20 minutes a game, 21 really, in, in his four games back. That, that's a big-time center presence in addition to Flo Thamba, which makes – the addition or the emergence of Ernest Uday all the more important because now they can come at you in waves uh, in the post uh, in addition to those three little guards that are all so great along the perimeter. But, you know, it's my hope that Kansas can force them beyond the perimeter, being right there on the catch, and maybe forcing the catch to come two or three feet beyond the perimeter to where you're right there so close you can smell their breath as soon as they touch the ball, and you're forcing them into deeper looks, more forced looks. Don't allow them to catch fire and get in rhythm early like TCU did. This team, in some regards, with their ability to pile up points in bunches and get out and push it, reminds me of, of TCU at its best when they've got Mike Miles healthy and all that. And um, to think about the 22-point lead they built early where they were just taking it right at Kansas, hitting everything. Gosh, what they open? 13 to 15? You know, I, I want to see Kansas play from out in front of this one, but I also want to see Kansas defensively force those first shot attempts of Cryer and Flagler and George into being well-contested, pretty deep, not in rhythm type shots because if you allow them to settle in, buckle up, it could be a long day. But if you make it tough on them, like Kansas did for the bulk of the game on George in the first meeting, uh, then I like our chances. But any one of those guys has the ability of just going off. And so it would be my hope that you know we're able to contest everything early, make it tough on them early to where in any of their opening game shots you know, feel like a forced, deeper attempt because the longer you can keep them pressing a bit and not allowing them to get comfortable and cocky like TCU did, the better our chances are of, of leading wire to wire, letting it going away. You don't want to dig a big hole, and this is the type of club that can rain in trees quickly to dig that deep hole against you. And so here's hoping Kansas brings the energy from the jump, makes those closeouts on the catch impressive, and forces this uh, particular Baylor club into some tough looks early so that guys like Flagler and Cryer don't settle in and, and develop a, a real swagger throughout the day. Well, outside of that, um, something that really stuck out to me in the first game, I think Baylor had 17 or offensive rebounds. Uh, what overall yeah. sticks out to you about this matchup outside of just how good the Baylor offense is that uh, KU needs to do well or, or something that you remember the most from the first matchup that they'll be looking to carry over? 
Yeah, that was uh, maybe as big a stat as any. I, I think the thing, somebody asked me earlier today, what do you remember most about that game? And I remember us working so hard to take a one-point lead early in the second half. And then there were a couple of con- controversial calls, one of which was a no call that should have been called, and, and the other was a call that went against us. And just like that, they, they hit us with three buckets in a row, like an 8-2 to two run. Self got a timeout, or rather a technical, I should say, a couple of minutes later, and then it just kind of snowballed after that. And so we didn't necessarily handle adversity well when it piled up against us. And Self would tell you that he felt like Kansas's defense didn't make it as tough on Baylor throughout the day from an energy and activity level standpoint as much as he expects them to in the second go-round. So we'll see if they can do a better job of that. Like I said, I thought Grady Dick really outshined Keontae George in that particular matchup. I can't remember the exact number NBA scouts were on hand. I want to say it was 31 that night, and both projected first-round picks, both McDonald's All-Americans, and Grady clearly had the better game. That was the game, you'll recall, that Grady made a more concerted effort to drive the ball to the basket and had a lot of success that way. And so that stands out, too. But you hit the nail on the head, buddy. It was absolutely the second-chance points and offensive rebounds that Kansas gave up to the Bears that really stuck in Bill Self's crawl as much as anything. And hopefully having a guy like Uday in there will help um, you know, cancel some of that out. But like I said, keep in mind, with uh, JTT back, Jonathan Chama Tachua, in addition to the big flow Fama, boy, they've got a couple of tall trees in there to contend with for sure. Yeah, I, I want to know, just uh, real quick, uh, broadcast perspective, it's, it sounds like you've got the name nailed down, but over the course of a game, things are running fast. What are you going to go with most? You going with JTT? You going the full name? You going? <laughs> I've heard Fran Fraschilla say every day, John a lot. What are you going to go with? I try not to say JTT because it reminds me of this famous child actor, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> yeah, from, from uh, uh, Home Improvement yeah. with uh, yeah, Tim the Toolman Taylor. Yep. <laughs> uh, so I try not to do that, but Chama Tatua is a mouthful, especially at the frenetic pace that these guys play. So we'll see. But I'm just happy for that young man because I had a chance to talk to him briefly a year ago after the injury, and, and he's sheer class. And if you went back and saw just the, the gruesome nature of the injury and all the ligaments that were torn and everything he had to go through to rehab it for over a year. Uh, just to be back out there, you feel really good for him. So, obviously, I, I hope we, we eat his lunch on Saturday. But beyond that, I'm cheering for the kid because uh, not many guys you know come back from, from something quite that gruesome to the degree he's been able to and speaks a lot about his toughness and, and his work ethic as well. Awesome. Well, Brian, appreciate the time as always. Before we let you go, a uh, word from Nate Miller. That's right. You, know, you were asking about our game plan to stop the quick and, and an electric shooting Baylor guards. Bill Self's working on that, but my main man, Nate Miller, wants to work on a game plan for your financial future. Whether you have a financial portfolio currently or you're looking to start one, he'd love to sit down with you, and it's really easy to book time with him and his team. So log on today to MillerRetirementGroup.com. That's MillerRetirementGroup.com, and, and sit down with one of the best in the business. He's also super involved in, in local charities, including the Round Ball Classic, which, by the way, uh, starting tomorrow, check out social media, we'll begin taking now nominations for this year's beneficiaries. The Round Ball Classic will be June the 8th. 
Hopefully you'll be able to hear it right here on KLWN. I haven't talked to Derek about that yet. Absolutely you will. Putting on the spot. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but Nate's a big uh, contributor to that as well, so we really appreciate his support. But yeah, thanks so much, guys. Always a pleasure, and uh, look forward to talking about the most creative game day signs with you next week when we recap <laughs> game day in Alice Fieldhouse. And how lucky are we? You get it at the booth and in the fog in the same academic year. What a year to be a Jayhawk. Went a little long there. Here is uh, cue the disclaimer. Brian is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. we got some KU basketball audio next. This is RCST. Four o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We uh, are going to have some more KU audio coming at you in the 5 o'clock hour. We also will have a Big 12 segment coming up next. Lie detector test coming up at 440. But right now it is what has been declared many times by one Nick Springer as his favorite segment of the week. That would be the KU mailbag. Let's go. Love the KU mailbag. Love people sending in questions. It's so fun. It's my favorite. It's by far. Yeah, like you said, many times. It's just such a good time. Yep. Well, let's start right here from Bert. Let's hear it, Bert. Better all-time coach. This is a tough one. Andy Reid or Bill Self? All right, so this is interesting. So Andy Reid, I think, has been coaching a little bit longer than Bill Self. Mm -hmm. They both have two titles, now that Andy Reid just won with the Chiefs. And if you wanted to take that even further... Andy Reid has made the Super Bowl one other time. Bill Self has made the national title game one other time, right, in 2012. Well, Andy Reid's made the Super Bowl two other times. Made it once with the Eagles. Once with the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then once with the Chiefs. Oh, okay, yeah. so he's made, okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I forgot about the other Chiefs one. Okay, I just blocked that from my memory. Yeah. That Super Bowl. Okay, so he's so he's made it to the Super Bowl four times, won it twice. Bill Self has made it to the national title game three times, won it twice. Bill Self has obviously been to a lot of Final Fours. Andy Reid has won now three. He's won three AFC championships and only one NFC championship. Yeah. So that's the equivalent of like making the final four, I guess. So I kind of think that, because I was thinking about this too, because I, I think what makes it hard is trying to figure out the congruencies. I don't think. Yeah, I think yeah, I think this question comes down to if you think it's harder to win a Super Bowl or if it's yeah. harder to win the NCAA tournament. Well, in like, think about it this way: there's there are 300 whatever teams in college basketball. There's 64 teams that just make the postseason. There's only 32 teams in the NFL. Yeah, and there's less teams making playoffs. If you want to look at it from this way, to win the NCAA tournament, so to win the national title, you got to win six games in a row. To win the Super Bowl, if you're not a one seed, you got to win four games in a row. If you are a one seed, you got to win three games in a row. See, to me, so the- are three football games the equivalent to six? Basketball games. I think to me, the equivalent of making the Super Bowl is actually the equivalent of making the Final Four. Think so? Not the championship game. That okay. to me is the equivalent I want to go to. It's just there's more teams. Okay. Um, yeah, I do think because uh, I think I would lean a little bit towards Bill Self here because as you've kind of discussed, it's much harder to win the NCAA tournament. There's more teams, there's more parity, there's more chaos than it is in the playoffs mm-hmm. of the NFL. Yeah. Now that that doesn't obviously take away anything that Andy Reid has done, and Andy Reid is going to be a Hall of Fame coach. But I think, I think I would maybe pick Bill Self. And also, I don't. Maybe you disagree with this, but I feel like college basketball has has evolved in more extreme ways since Bill Self has become head coach than the NFL has evolved 
with since Andy Reid has become a coach. Do you agree with that? Well, certainly Andy Reid was always like on the forefront of that playing style. Like maybe it wasn't as extreme as it was now. Like he was always about passing first. That's what yeah. the game has become more now. College basketball has become more pace and space. So it is kind of similar in that regard. But um, yeah, I mean, there's, I there's think probably been. I think it's I don't been know, maybe more it's of equal. an extreme evolution in college basketball. The three point line's deeper. But you could also say, like, now you can't hit quarterbacks. I, I don't know. I think there's there's comparisons you would make both sides. Okay. I, I, I guess if we but, view uh, it as. I, I guess I'm looking at it from in terms of like playing style. Like, yeah. if you're a coach and you have to adapt to however the game is played, I feel like Bill Self has had to adapt more. You think probably with his personnel? I, I would agree with that because he's gone through the the high low with the two bigs to then kind of just being one big uh, to then having the two little guards to now playing like the three wing lineup. That would be more of the equivalent of like if Andy Reid went from being you know a, a power eye team to then yeah, or like West Coast to, to then like, yeah. spread. You know, it, it would be a little bit different. So yeah, I would agree with that. I, I do think if we we say that if we go with what I was saying about how I think Final Four is equivalent to Super Bowl appearance. Then it would be even. Both would have four appearances, and then both would have two titles, and then it would come down to the regular season. And as great as Andy has been in the regular season, especially here with the Chiefs, you've hosted five straight AFC championships. You've won what seven or eight straight divisions, something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. That still doesn't pale in comparison to sixteen Big Twelve titles in nineteen years. You know? No, no. So I, I right. think Bill Self is the answer here, but it's. Plus, also, I think you have to take into account Bill Self is what three, four years younger than than Andy Reid. And he's accomplished just as much. And you don't know how long either guy's going to coach, but hypothetically, that could mean more years of coaching to come for Bill Self. So that's true. I think Bill Self is the answer there. Are you cool with settling on that? Yeah. No, I'm fine with that. All right. I was I was going to pick Self. This one from Jack. You can guarantee one KU player returns for next season. Who do you pick? So I I think the answer has to be Grady, right? Does it? He's the guy that. I mean, you have a National Player of the Year candidate with Jalen Wilson. You could pick Jalen Wilson, I guess. But I feel like I feel like I would pick Grady. Well, I think well, let's start here. You're not going to pick someone who you feel like is coming back anyway. Exactly. Right? So like Dewan is going to come back. KJ's back. Urasude is back. Yeah. Well, okay. I guess you could wait. Pick, is hold McCuller, on. Does McCoy have another year of eligibility? He does technically, but I think the assumption is he'll go pro. So here, here's the main candidates that I think you have to view this as. Okay. Jalen Wilson, Kevin McCuller, who I expect both to go pro right now. Grady Dick, who I expect to go pro, even though I think he initially came in thinking he was going to be a multi-year guy. Because everywhere on the mock drafts, he's projected to be like a, a lottery pick right now. He'd probably be gone. I think you can probably also view this from a standpoint of, hey, what about some of the bench players? What if they're unhappy with their playing time, want to get more in transfer? Like MJ Rice? What? Uh, sure. What if MJ Rice? What if, you know, I again, this is not me saying I think these guys are going to transfer. I'm just saying hypothetically, what if in Ernest Uday's mind, he's going, hey, KJ's going to be back next year. What if I'm not the starting center? I want to transfer. Again, I, I think, think Ernest Uday will be back next that year. This is not me saying that. But if you could guarantee he's back and you think he has a really high no, ceiling, that you, could be an it answer. It would be smarter to guarantee somebody else back. I do agree with you. I'm just playing a little devil's advocate. I would pick Grady. I would pick Grady. His shooting is so good. It's too valuable. Yes, you're going to lose Jalen Wilson. But Jalen Wilson, have to. I think... You could his, just pick Jalen. But Jalen Wilson, I think it might be... In a weird way, it might be less of a blow to lose him than it would be to lose Grady Dick. Mm-hmm. So I'm going with Grady Dick. I I actually do agree with you, and I hate that that you had to pick the same answer here because, I mean, Jalen Wilson <laughs> is the obvious answer. He's a National Player of the Year candidate. You're not wrong if that's who you pick. Um, but I think why I would pick Grady Dick. If Dude, you that just, shooting just doesn't grow on trees. That's the thing. It and, doesn't and just you don't just get that. Let's shooting. not forget Grady Dick was still a freshman. 
What do you think sophomore Grady Dick looks like? He's going to be even better. I think there is a real case that if Grady Dick came back next year, he could score like 18 to 20 a game on insane efficiency. 50% from three. And he would be a National Player of the Year candidate. And here's the big one for me. When I look at next year's team, Dwan Harris, KJ Adams, both going to be back as starters. Yep. You figure Ernest will be back. And I, I know you just of, went through this stupid hypothetical of we might leave, but like he's yeah, back. Yeah, He'll yeah. be back. And I kind of almost expect KJ to move back to being like a four. Good. That means if you're playing KJ at the four and Dewan's your one and you have a, a traditional center at the five, you need shooting at the two yes. and three. Yes. What does Grady Dick do? Boom. So if you can guarantee me exactly. one player back, yeah, I take Grady I Dick Grady, as well. Yeah. This one from, uh, I, I just picked a random name. I just went with Fog, you know. Short for Fog Allen. It's Fog not Allen. actually yeah. Fog Allen. Okay. Hard to believe, Thanks, right? Fog Allen. Uh, but this person was asked to be given in uh, a random name. We have an anonymous submission here. Is this the first anonymous submission ever? Uh, <laughs> I think so. I can't think of another one. You'll um, see why it's anonymous. Yeah. Well, I I don't know. Maybe he could have got away with it. I don't know. Maybe his, his maybe girlfriend, girlfriend listened, uh, to, the listened show. to the show. Yeah, I don't know. In that case. Or maybe we'll... he knows other people who listen to the show and he's worried about the conversation <laughs> getting back to I don't know. I don't know. Am I a jerk for telling my friend, my, sorry, not friend. Am I a jerk for telling my girlfriend I was sick on Tuesday and couldn't go on a Valentine's date so I could watch the KU game? Okay. I have a lot of thoughts about this. Okay. I'm interested. The short answer is yes, you're a jerk. Okay. Here is what I would say. This is my advice. Mm -hmm. In this, if I was in this situation, just tell the truth. Just be like, hey, I really want to watch the KU game tonight. Like, just, just be open about it. But couldn't you argue? Okay. What if Here's this, the deal. I don't, I don't know, man. Here's okay. the deal. Here's okay. the deal. If she is, if this is a long-term girlfriend, I am, a, I am under the assumption that she knows that you are a KU fan. Okay. So she needs, she would understand. I would think to a certain extent. What if she? Doesn't? Okay. Now here's the deal. Now here's the deal, though. The game didn't tip off until 8 p.m. Okay. That means you had 16 hours in the day. <laughs> we probably worked. To do whatever else the hell you needed to do to, to placate the situation. Okay? And you could have easily made it into something fun like a, like a I don't know, like a dinner date. And then you get to watch the game together. Like, surely if she's your girlfriend, she likes spending time with you. Boom. There you go. Okay? Right? So you got 16 hours. 16 hours in the whole day to come up with some game plan. No, you had more than that. You had what? Eight, I don't even know. Well, again, I he's probably twenty at work. hours. He's probably at work during the day. You have twenty hours in the whole day, right? Game yeah, yeah, eight you're at work a lot of the time, and you're not going to get up at three no, 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 and no, no. be you like, "Hey, to, let's go." Okay, uh, well, if you're to McDonald's. If, if you're that dedicated to watching the KU game, you're going to need to make some sacrifices. Okay. And no, then I, my last thought is this: you could also listen. She watches one KU game with her. Suck it up. Watch The Bachelor with her. Watch whatever the heck, whatever. Love Island, whatever. I don't know. There's a lot. You got so many options here. I think lying and saying you're sick is actually one of the worst options you could have chosen. If we're being honest, mm. we'll see. Okay, I, I think this partially depends on what stage you're in with this girl. What if this is someone you've only been dating for? a few I am weeks? operating under the assumption that this has at least been like a couple months relationship. If this is a longer term, like you should know by now, and, and she probably knows by now that you're a big KU fan. That's what I'm saying. Yes. At this point, and. So she should understand. And if you she doesn't understand, then she's not the one. Well, Sorry. you could have just told the truth and just done it one of two ways. You could have just been There's like... There's six billion people in the world. Go find hey, another one. would you mind if we celebrate Valentine's Day either on Monday or Wednesday? Or maybe this weekend. I'll take you to a super nice dinner. I really want to watch See, but, the KU game. Okay, no. 
the game didn't tip off till eight o'clock. I know. So you, you, still you can still do Valentine's sure. Day stuff on the day. What if all the reservations were taken? What if I don't know? It, That's your fault. But you, you, you should have You got other options. Now what the if schedule's been out? But the KU basketball schedule was out for. No, I get it. I six get it. Months. I get it. Okay? okay. You had eight months to plan this thing. Here's a caveat though. What if this girl hates that he watched like? What if this girl would have taken that as an affront that was like, like she's well, super see, into Valentine's Day and this is her big thing and she loves going out on dates. Well, then Valentine's saying Day. you're sick is just as bad. <laughs> right? I think it would be easier to excuse. No. How funny would it be if I didn't get a follow up on this? If the girlfriend came over being like, oh, like, here's some soup. I hope you feel better. And he's just okay. like, as, only- as she's knocking on the door, he like stands up and screams like, let's go. You know? Okay. That, okay. The only other caveat I thought to this was. Maybe this person, the anonymous question asker, is the type of person that gets very animated and gets very emotional at about games and prefers to watch them by himself because he knows that he will get rowdy, whatever, right? If that's the case, then that's a little bit more of a tougher situation. But also maybe just suck it up for one game. Yeah, and I guess on one hand, you could say if, if the girlfriend is not okay with you watching the game and it's that important to you, maybe you're not the best match. But what if exactly. you're, what if you're not the 99% one. match in every other way and that's the one thing? <laughs> that's the one thing you can't agree on. That would be kind of messed up to give it. I, I, it's one regular season game. Just record it if you really have to. I think you'll be okay. I think you'll be okay. Yeah, it depends on the stage of the relationship. But mm. yeah, I... I honestly think that saying you're sick might have been the worst option. I mean, we just we just brainstormed like 10 options that I think were way better. Hawkman just hit us up. He said they could have gone to 23rd Street Brewery and watched the game while having dinner. That is very true, but if she's expecting a, a Valentine's Day dinner where you're solely focused on yeah, where her you're locked in. and you're just eating See, that, dinner I think and she's that's talking dis- to you See, and you're no, watching the TV in the that, corner, that's worse. No, no, no. That is way worse. Yeah. You do not want to be more trouble at that. dinner while the game is on. Yes. You need to be having dinner ahead of time. <laughs> make sure dinner is done. Uh-huh. Wrapped up, everything's we're, we're good there. Then you watch the game. But what if she's like, I want to do dinner in a movie tonight? <laughs> How are you gonna figure that one out, Einstein? All right. You just do. I don't know. You make her do lunch. You make do her dinner. do lunch. <laughs> do, no, do a movie we're in the doing lunch. <laughs> All right. This one from Scott. How is it possible that Derek has lived twenty something years and doesn't know who the Undertaker? You're is? asking me. <laughs> I don't know. I honestly have no idea. I that was blasphemous. I was shocked. Okay, to be Utterly fair, shocked. I've heard the 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 name the wrestler the Undertaker. I have seen the memes. If I I've, if I pulled up ten different pictures mm-hmm. of wrestlers, would you know which one's the Undertaker? Probably not, unless it was the meme of him getting out of the coffin. Then I would. So like I I've heard the name. I know the Dude, meme enough to he's know only like that it the was the most a thing. famous wrestler of our childhood. Okay, but you know how much wrestling I watched. Zero. Okay, that doesn't matter. People watch Joe Wrestling. They know who John Cena is. That's how. That's yeah, but the same John level Cena does other things. That's the what same does level as the Undertaker. Do? What does the Undertaker he do? He was just that wrestling? awesome at wrestling. Well, I don't he didn't watch do anything wrestling. else. That's but like, you would still know. I don't watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I know all the Kardashian sisters. Do you know? You don't have a response for that? Do you know who the best actor in France is? The best actor in France? Yeah. No. Exactly, because you don't watch that, French that's movies. That's a whole other country. What do you. What? <laughs> no. That's not even that's not even the same thing. Okay, wait. Hold on. We have to go back to the last question. Hawkman, I once <laughs> broke up with a girl because she told me to choose between hanging out with her and the KU Arizona 2003 NCAA <laughs> tournament game. Now, I will say, okay, Hawkman's credit. That's a tournament game. That's uh, different. It, it, that's an elite eight game. Yes, that's, that's way different. If you're that into something, again, like, 
you right. should be it's as a come couple. Up, it should come up between the two of you. At some like point. on one hand, it does sound ridiculous to be like, "Hey, I can't hang out with you to do this." Like, why are you choosing this game over me? But like, if it's something that you're passionate about, why can't the other person, the couple, like it? It should be something exactly. that you should there both needs, enjoy. Some understanding. There and again, be... this is also where the hey, if you've been talking to someone for two weeks, if you've been yeah. married oh, to yeah. them for two years, there's going to be a there's difference give and take in, in how. You, yeah, there's exactly. some give and take there. Okay, uh, this one. Right, anyways, yeah. I'm sick. There. Okay. Hey, there's a great documentary series that has biographies of all the great WWE legends. Mm-hmm. You should watch the one on Manor Take. Yeah, I'm good. This one from Terry. Now that Chris Beard has had his charges dropped, should KU add him as an assistant coach? Uh, no. How about no? Yeah, I don't. I don't think they need to be doing. I think that. we're good. I think we're I don't good. think they need to be adding that. That to no. Because I mean, even though the charges were dropped, like you know, they're it's still a gray area. I would say, just go ahead and steer clear that one. Yeah, I agree. Okay, this one from Jayhawk for life. Would you rather Bill Self win one national title and every Big 12 regular season title for the next four years? Okay. Or have Self coach the next eight, but no guarantee of national or regular season titles? So I think what the, the crux here is, it's is like the idea he that might retire he could retire at the end of those first four. Okay. Or option B is you're guaranteed eight years. I'm taking the guaranteed eight years because here's the deal. In 20 years of coaching... He's won 17 Big 12 regular season titles. Yeah, so chances so are you're not, winning so you're gonna win six or seven Big 12 anyway. titles. Yeah. You're going to win the next four anyway. You might even win the next eight. Uh-huh. Now, the national title one, that adds some adds yeah, some difficulty to it. It's really hard title. to win a national title. It is really hard. I think in I theory, think, if you said to self, if he coaches eight more years, does he win another title? I would say, I would say yes, yes, but again, it took... You know, 14 years between the, yeah. the one. No, it's it's very hard yes. to win a title. It's, it's a very hard. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there are there are great coaches that don't win any or only win one. Yeah, I, so would, I, I would take option B. I would go with eight years. I would go with eight years. This one from Jed. Are Dippin' Dots good? So, I think I've only had Dippin' Dots like once in my life, actually. And if I've only had them once in my life, they evidently were not great enough for me to want to get them again. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't remember. So I guess. Well, I think. I guess not really. I don't know. What's killing Dippin' Dots is there's not a. There's a Dippin' Dots at Allen Fieldhouse though. There is, but there's not like a bunch of places that offer Dippin' Dots. No, that's a good. It's point. like stadiums. You can't really just you can't just roll up and get no. Dippin' Dots any day of the week. And the other problem is if you're buying it at a stadium, which most stadiums do have a Dippin' Dots place, it's exactly yes, the yes. price gets jacked up. So you're less. I don't even know how much it. the Dippin' Dots are at Allen Fieldhouse. I never bothered to look. Neither, I'm neither sure it's expensive. Same thing. I actually, um, I'm so, sure it's expensive. To be clear, I'd prefer ice cream over Dippin' Dots. You I, know? So I don't even know what Dippin' Dots are. Aren't they just like they're like little frozen beads of ice cream, essentially? So they're just little balls. The one thing I will say about Dippin' Dots, can't you get different types of different? Do- yeah, Dippin you can. Dots? They have banana split. They have Oreo, all sorts okay. of types, right? Is that it does create a good little texture? You get like this. I don't know. It's almost like a mushy crunch. I, I, that that okay. sounds terrible, but I can't okay. explain it. It's actually pretty good. But I just prefer ice cream. I'm overall. a texture but, guy, yeah, but that sure. texture doesn't sound very good. Are you a texture guy when it comes? I am to food? a big texture guy. Like but if, I, if it, the food texture is off, it's 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 a it's. I'm more of the done. opposite way. I may I will eat certain foods just because of the texture. Okay, because you know, like some people like bananas for existence. For for example, some yeah, people see, hate that never bananas. bothered me. Because bana- the bananas have a weird texture to them. Yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't bother you? No, it's it's less that they bother me. It's more that they're just certain foods that I love they're the texture. They're just unique. Like, I don't, I, I eat oysters. I don't mind the texture. Like, I don't think you've ever had oysters. If you don't like, I, I don't think you I was like a the very, very, very picky eater when I was a kid. I'm better now, but when I was a kid, I would eat like three things. What were they? Uh, spaghetti, uh, chicken nuggets, and toast. 
<laughs> I love the toast in there. That was my uh, breakfast. Good. Or cereal. All right, this one from Brian. He has two questions. Okay. If you were starting a basketball team and you needed one guard to complete your team, who would you choose? Remy Martin or Malik Newman? I feel like the answer has to be Romeo Martin. My first more, question is, what month are we starting the basketball team? <laughs> if it's in late February, early March, <laughs> maybe Malik Newman. Yeah. But I feel like Remy Martin's more versatile, right? So not knowing what the rest of the team looks like, I think I would go with him. But, you know, if it's a team like, like let's say I'm starting KU and I have the current KU team minus Grady Dick and I have to choose between Remy Martin and Malik Newman, I'm picking Malik Newman because I need shooting. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think that's the right answer. I think but that's I think right Remy Martin is more versatile, so he's yeah. probably the guy I'd want to pick, not knowing yeah. the rest of the team. I think Remy would be easier to, if you're at that point, building your team around him because he he can, I think, do more with the ball in his hands. Yeah. Malik, more of kind of that spot-up shooter type. I think I think that's yeah. the good way of answering it. Uh, second one for Brian. If you were talking to someone with very bad breath, would you tell them, say nothing, or politely offer them a breath mint? What if that person is your boss? I would probably say nothing, honestly. I'm too much of a... Does that make me a nice guy or does that make me a bad guy? Mm, Long-term bad guy, short-term good guy. You think so? Yeah. I don't know. All right, you, you want to hear a wild story? What? One time, I was at a Chiefs game with a, a lady that I was seeing at the time. And it was raining at the game. And so her makeup started running. And I didn't say anything because I thought it'd be I thought it'd be rude if I said something. She went to the bathroom and she came back pissed at me that I didn't say anything. How long were you dating at this point? Quite a, not like maybe six months. No. Yeah, you should have said five, something. Four, five, six months. Yeah. You should have said something. If this is like date number one or number two, I totally understand. You know, I didn't want. I didn't want to be the bad guy and be like, hey, your makeup point, is no, running a little bit. There's, you know, there's a nice way to do it. Like, hey, by the way. Your makeup looks horrible. I didn't know I'm what to joking. do. I'm just joking. But no, so going no, back yeah. to our dating question, maybe don't listen to me because I give bad <laughs> I I I give bad dating advice. I don't know. Um, what would I do here? I would say nothing. If that person, uh, if I'll it was honest, my boss, I would definitely. say It depends. So first of all, it depends on your. If your boss is one of those people who's like very like authoritarian boss, then I'd, I'd definitely say nothing. If it's a boss who like is very easy to talk to, um, and if it was a boss that I've been working under for a while, I maybe would say something. Maybe. Or like, okay, let's say I like, think I'd say let's I, say I like my boss is about to go into like a, an important meeting. Like, like he's like we're standing outside the conference room. He or she is about to go in and give a, a presentation, and the breath smells. I would be like, hey, listen, your breath kind of smells before you go into this presentation. You know, I would do the breath mint one. I'd be I I would take one first. I'd take the breath mint, and, and then be you'd like, be like, hey, man, you want I love one? these breath mints. You want That's one? That's pretty smooth, actually. Yeah, right? That's pretty smooth. Yeah. Nice okay. way to do it. But then if they deny the breath mint, that's when you're in trouble. Yeah. So like, if they don't like mint. Because like, no, I'm, not, I'm should, not a you should take the I'm not a mint. big mint guy. You know? So if you offered me a breath mint right now, I'd probably be like, no. But then I'd probably start questioning if you, that means that my breath mint is bad if you're offering it to me. If you offer me a breath mint on tomorrow's show, I'm gonna be so pissed. Right off the top. Yes. I'm gonna be so mad. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That's our KU mailbag. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We got our Big 12 breakdown, lie detector test after that. We'll be back after this time out. About half past four, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. If you're looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, Venue 1235 has you covered, located right off I-70, just five minutes from downtown Lawrence. It's a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio with Venue 1235. Check out some of their upcoming events or book one for yourself with Venue 1235. 
So we have uh, three teams tied for first in the Big 12. Certainly some separation has now happened. Not a ton of separation, but enough. Yep. Kansas, Texas, and Baylor at 9-4. and four. Um, I guess we'll just start here. Uh, do, are, are you giving anyone else a shot? I know Iowa State's only a game back. All right, so here's the deal with Iowa State. Yeah. The answer is no. Okay. And I'll explain why with Iowa State. So there's good news and bad news for Iowa State. Positives, negatives. The positives for Iowa State is they still have Texas and Baylor left on their schedule. Which are two teams that are in front of them. So chances those are basically those are chances to make up essentially two games, right? By winning and also taking taking them down a peg. That's the good news. The bad news, they're both on the road. So that seems unlikely that Iowa State would win one or even or, or it seems unlikely that Iowa State would win even one of those games. So that's the bad news. And for that reason I think Iowa State is is done. I yeah, I mean chance. if if we keep going back to that that number 12 number, which, as we said yesterday, we might even be waning that that might not be enough. But let's just say 12 is the bare minimum. That would mean they'd have to go 4-1 and one down the stretch. Yeah. To your point, that means that you have to win at least one of those two, and then you'd still have to be perfect, which Oklahoma and West Virginia at home, they should win those. But that means you would still have to win at K-State. That means you have to go 2-1 and one between at K-State, at Texas, and at Baylor. Seems unlikely. That's tough. So for that reason, I am officially declaring Iowa State dead. Is that okay. all right with you? I'm done. They're dead. If they win at K-State this weekend, I'm uh, they're still open dead. to it. But they are still dead. Probably still dead. When you look at the top three, it's actually interesting how this is shaken out. The top three have all five games left, mm-hmm. and they all have three home games and two road games left on their schedules. Okay? So it's basically the same discussion as with Iowa State, which is if you can win all three of your home games— and then win one of your two road games, that would get you to 13-5. and five. Probably good enough to at least earn a share, right? So for Kansas, they have TCU and Texas on the road. Obviously, the big game here is against Baylor at home, though, right? Like, the, the scenario of these three teams is you hold serve at home. And if that's the case, then all you have to do at that point is win one of your two road games. But if any of these teams lose at home, then it becomes a lot more difficult. So, i.e., for instance, Saturday against against Baylor for Kansas, right? If they can't win that game, if Kansas can't win that game, the equation gets a lot more tricky for them. <clears throat> but, again, if you want to look at it in simplest terms, it's all three of these teams have three home games and two road games. If, they go, if all three of these teams go 3-0 at home and then win one of their two road games, they're going to be either 13-5 and or 12-6. and and that's good enough. It should be. Right? I'm just I'm looking at all the schedules and and Ken Palm has a number next to every game for the team on their percentage chance that they give them of winning the games. And if we just base it on that for trying to figure out like who has the hardest schedule or who has the easiest remaining schedule, or maybe the most likely to, I don't know, win the majority of your games, it would actually go. Kansas first, um, Texas would be second, Baylor would be third. But yeah, I think Kansas has the easiest path because their two road games are TCU and Texas. And TCU, it sounds like they are going to be relatively healthy by Monday, which of course they are. But that's that game at TCU you feel like is probably more winnable for Kansas versus Baylor's two road games are Kansas and I don't remember what the other one is. I think it's a K-State. 
Baylor's at K State uh, and at Kansas. Those are their last two. Yes. Yeah. They have a, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, do you basically do you give Baylor a better chance of winning at K State or do you give Kansas a better chance of winning at TCU? That's a fair question. Uh, K State won in Waco, but also TCU won in in Allen Fieldhouse, and that and then was you throw in decisive. Texas, and Texas plays. Their road games are they play they still have to play at out Baylor, Baylor at TCU. Yeah, so again, it comes down to do you give Texas a good chance of winning at TCU? Or do you give Kansas a better chance? Or do you think Baylor's gonna win at K State? Yeah. Again, this is this discussion all revolves around the idea that the teams that these three teams are gonna win all their home games. So KU's gonna beat Baylor, Baylor will beat Texas, and Texas will beat Kansas. So then it comes down to that other road game, assuming they assuming they win the rest of their home games. Which I'm I'm not even so sure happens for like Texas. Like I could see Iowa State beating them. I could see yeah, Kansas Texas, beating them. Right? Texas has the toughest three opponents at home. They have Kansas and Iowa State, and the last one is I think West Virginia. Or they're to play West Virginia at home. No, they already played West Virginia. If you just add up the win probabilities on Ken Palm, divide it by the five games, on average, Kansas is a sixty two and a half percent per game. Texas is a fifty nine and a half percent. Baylor's a fifty two and a half percent. But I look at Texas's schedule, man. You're playing of your final five games, three of them are against yeah. the other teams who are Texas the top four teams in the Big Twelve. Yeah, Texas basically has the same stretch that Kansas had early in the season where they lost three in a row. That's basically what Texas has, except to end the season. So no margin for error, essentially. Especially with their loss against Texas Tech. Hmm. It has to be. I, I think uh, no game could swing this more than probably Saturday's game. I guess maybe the the finale with the game in in Austin, yeah, Kansas to Texas. But like, but like if Kansas loses to Baylor on Saturday and then loses at TCU, they're they're toast. Yes, basically. So I think I, I think if if Kansas loses to Baylor, there's a chance Baylor could then lose at K State and then Kansas could win at TCU and you're all tied up again. But that would put a lot of pressure on that TCU game. A lot of pressure on that TCU. And obviously, game. we saw what happened with TCU at Allen. Not that I think that will happen. Not, not not that I think that would happen again, but they're a very athletic team and they are capable of inflicting a lot of damage. Yeah. So I think the way that I'm kind of viewing it is for Baylor. Which, by the way, in terms of the NCAA tournament, man, if TCU ends up getting like a seven seed because they're just they. Their record's not that good towards the end of the season. Is that the most dangerous seven seed of all time? Well, the good news is you wouldn't have to have them since they're in the same conference if you got like a two seed. It certainly would be scary. I mean, Mike Miles has been miss- missing all this time now. Yeah, I mean, imagine they get healthy. They, they you know what? They're, they're the prime candidate for being the team that like wins the Big 12 tournament. Think so? Gets like a six seed, five seed in the Big 12 tournament. They just roll through. They could. Very well could. Yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 just kind of having like jumbled schedule here, uh, because I, I think for Baylor you view it as like like this. So they have a 49 percent chance at K State. They have a 50 percent chance at Oklahoma State. So view it this way: they win one of two, so they're one and one now. Let's and that's they, all they have to do. If they go one and one on the road, then they just have to hold serve at home. But also, that's easier said than done. And that doesn't account for the KU game. Which is why the KU game is going to have such a large impact. Because if they beat KU, 
basically they are just looking at it as go one and one on the road. And at that point, they're probably looking at 13 and five. All right, I'd like to apologize. I misread the schedule. Mm-hmm. I said earlier that all three teams have three home games and two road games. Baylor has two and three, two home games, three road games. Hopefully I didn't just shout out my credibility. So I think that's what it is. It's If Kansas loses at home to Baylor, they could beat TCU on the road, and technically one and one in this stretch would, would probably be okay. But that would be okay if 12-6 and six gets it done in the Big 12. The problem is losing to Baylor sets it up that it probably means 13 is the number that Baylor's going to get to. So for Kansas, take care of it all. Win. Excellent analysis, Derek. Yep, we figured it out. Just win. KU should win, and then they're going to be okay. Just win, baby. We got lie detector test coming up next. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. My middle name is Bob. That's a lie. And a lie detector test is underway here on Rock Truck Sports Talk. Your middle name's not Bob? No, it's not. That was yeah. such a stupid way to start a segment. I don't care. <laughs> Have fun with it. Uh, okay, lie detector I test. I kind of liked it, actually. You did? Oh, thank you. Yeah. Was that a lie? No. Oh. It's not a lie. I don't believe you. I You're lying you. again. I swear You're you You're doubling down on the lie. I swear. It's not a lie. First up, hook up to a lie detector. First up is the Pac-12. This was a joint statement from earlier this week from the 10 Pac-12 conference board members. Quote, the the 10 Pac-12 universities look forward to consummating successful media rights deals in the very near future. Based upon positive conversations with multiple potential media rights partners over the past weeks, we remain highly confident in our future growth and success as a conference and united in our commitment to one another. Bye. I think this is a very easy lie. Yeah, easy lie. Well, okay. Uh, I agree 100%. The Pac-12, like George Klyovkov and the commissioners, or, or I'm sorry, and like the head of the Pac-12 people, they do not think this is a lie. They think that everything's okay. They think they're well, going to get dude, a good media right deal. Every single like story or whatever that has come out around the Pac-12, I mean, go back to the fall and stuff when at UCLA and USC leave, like every story was... The Pac-12 office was running around like chickens with their heads cut off, panicking, not knowing what was what to do, and like freaking out. And now we're supposed to believe that we have productive negotiations. And we're heading towards something beneficial for all. Well, and this no. was this was also earlier this week. This, according to Brett McMurphy, CBS and Turner are no longer involved in Pac-12 media rights negotiations. So that means they must be going to Amazon. I guess, and that that's got to be a little panicking because yeah, Amazon might pay them enough. But they're not going to have any viewers. But exactly, exactly. It's not going to grow the brand of the Pac-12. It's the same thing like the Pac-12 network. Like, nobody can watch your games. And Amazon, yes, it's, it's a bigger deal than the Pac-12 network. Like, a lot of people do have Amazon. But you know what happens? A lot of people on Saturdays, it's you're, you're scrolling through channels, and then you have a couple channels lined up, and yes. you're watching the games, and you're yes. hitting the, the back button, well, the listen, previous button. I don't know you how can't many do times, that with Amazon. I don't know how many times i got to tell you, the target audience for college football Saturdays is middle-aged to upper-middle-aged dudes, okay? And if they can't reasonably, in a efficient fashion, reach your game, they're not going to watch, okay? My father, or any, or your father, whoever, who's, you know, 55, 60 years old, if he can't figure out how to get to Amazon Plus on his TV, or Amazon Prime, whatever, he ain't watching, okay? I'm yeah. just telling you. Oh, I think that's pretty spot on. Um, I would agree with that. So... Yeah, uh, Pac-12, they're lying. I feel like half of them probably still have foot out <laughs> one door. Jim Irsay, 
Jim Irsay is the Colts owner. Yeah. He uh, said, quote, the Alabama guy doesn't look bad, I'll tell ya. <laughs> so, I think he was giving a... This was at a... He was... I actually think this was part of an update on the coaching search, but he just got into this somehow or something. And he said, uh, he actually, so first he said they're looking to for, to get a young a young quarterback to develop this offseason because they've tried to bring in old veteran guys like the past five years and it's failed every year. So they're going to try something different. They're going to go draft the young quarterback. And he says, oh, that kid from Alabama don't look too bad. Okay, so first what of do you all, think? Uh, do you think he's like? Does he actually not know who Bryce Young is, the Alabama guy? I think that's the truth. I actually guess the truth. I think he probably just knows him as the Alabama guy. Okay. Now the other part of it: Do you think he actually does like him, or is this a smokescreen? I don't think he's smart enough for this to be a smokescreen. So I'm kind of just thinking this is all true. All right. This has very uh, Jeff because, Long vibes. Because now it's going to be all it's going to do is it's going to. This is great for the Bears because the Bears now they basically know. Unless it's a smokescreen. I don't think it is. I don't think Dimmer's say smart enough for that. Because what if they're the quarterback they actually like? Because what pick do the Colts have? The fourth pick, right? They have the fourth pick. So they'd have to trade up to get to the first pick. Correct. So, so what if the the quarterback that the Colts actually like is C.J. Stroud or Will Levis or something? And they're going, we don't actually want Bryce Young, but now somebody else will trade up to the first pick to take Bryce Young as opposed to the one of the quarterbacks we want. And now he has a better chance of falling to us. This could be genius. Like I said, though, this, I don't think it's genius. This has a little bit of a uh, Jeff Long vibes to it. Do you remember this when Jeff Long was asked about the other coaches that he had interviewed when when they hired Les Miles? Oh, and he couldn't remember. It was basically, a cover up. He's like Todd Graham or Grantham. He couldn't say him. I'm struggling with his name. He was working for the LA Rams at the time. That was Jed Fish, and the defensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm gonna forget his name as well. But by the way, now that I'm looking at this, Lou Anarumo. That would have been wild if he was the head coach. That Do would you be think? Wild, okay, actually. wait, wait, hold on. Bite what? the bullet here. Bite the bullet what? here. What? 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 Would you take the alternate universe where KU hires Lou Anarumo instead of Les Miles, and now the Chiefs beat the Bengals in the AFC Championship game last year, and now they they're back-to-back Super Bowl champions? But be, yeah. maybe Lou Anarumo isn't as much of a disaster and doesn't get fired on the same timeline so that Lance Leipold's doesn't if, take if over at the time. Just turned out to be good. Then who cares? Yes, but what if he was? What if he was not good as a college coach? But he was because Les Miles at the end of the day was not good his final year. But he would have gotten another year if not for like the off the field stuff that was being reported out. Right? I so, suppose so. So Lou Anarumo could have got another year, and then what if Lance Leipold already got scooped up by another school by then? So there's your trade off. <clears throat> KU football is in more peril, but the Chiefs have another Super Bowl. You I would take, take the Chiefs Super Bowl. Okay. Well, because you're right. There is no guarantee. Luana Rumo could have made it work. I mean, he seems to be a really good head coach, but it's yeah. different when you're recruiting guys in college and everything. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, no, I don't think he's lying. I don't think he's lying either. The government. White House tells governors Wait. thousands of objects in the sky aren't aliens. Are they lying? Thousands of objects? Do we have objects? an alien problem? Thousands of objects in the sky? Mm-hmm. I mean... Okay, listen. If there's thousands of objects, can you just toss a blanket over that and say 100% that none of them are aliens? What if one of them is an alien? Then you're on that. I think you're wrong. Right. You don't know. Then you're wrong. You know, right? If it's like two objects and you're like <laughs> definitively, no, they're not aliens. It's like okay, fine, sure, whatever. 
thousands? Mm. How can you be so sure that every object is not an alien? Foolproof. Foolproof argument. How do you from know? Springer. How do you know? Yeah. All right. I'll just leave Maybe it they do know, and they're just, they're just, <laughs> you know, this is like some Area 51 stuff where mm-hmm. they're just lying about it. We're going to talk about this more on tomorrow's show, but aliens <laughs> and robots, they're coming for us. NC, that's a hell of a tease, and I'm not joking either. We actually are going to talk about that. Uh, NCAA lawyer Stephen Katz. So the NCAA is is in another court hearing, basically talking about like, are should student athletes be considered employees, and they're they're arguing against it, all this stuff. Um, the judges asked if an athlete is kicked off a team or quits a team, do they lose their scholarship? So they lose compensation because they're no longer playing. Katz, who is the NCAA's lawyer, says he doesn't know enough about NCAA bylaws to respond. Dude, what? <laughs> that's your that, that's your job. So he's lying. What right? do you mean you don't know? He's lying. I don't know if he's lying or not, but if he is lying, he should be fired. That's what's crazy. That's I your actually, job. I actually don't know if he's lying because that would be the most NCAA thing Dude. ever. That they're even their own lawyers don't know their dumb bylaws. That is your job. You're supposed to know the bylaws. What are we doing? Yeah, how would you like it if your lawyer showed up to like a case and he was like, this man did not murder that person. It's like, no, he's just in trouble for a speeding ticket. What are you Dude, talking about? It's like, what? <laughs> like, oh, what, sorry. I mean, what does a lawyer do besides no bylaws? But bylaws, it's literally in the name. <laughs> by law. Lawyer, lawyer bylaws. <laughs> law, law. <laughs> uh, Where's the disconnect? What, right. where's, the, where's the confusion there? You're going to have to explain this one to me from uh, Jalen Watson. Okay. Jalen Watson <laughs> Jalen Watson tweeted a photo of himself after the Super Bowl parade being wheeled out of something in a wheelchair. Okay. With the caption, Chiefs Kingdom, y'all were responsible for this. You got to fight for your right. So, really it's more about, there's a couple different layers to this. The first layer is, He's getting rolled out on a wheelchair. Does he need the wheelchair? Is the picture itself a lie that he could he have been able to? This is like a Paul Pierce situation. Did he need? Did he need the <laughs> oh, wheelchair? Oh, you think he pooped his pants? No, no, no. I'm saying, did he need uh-huh. the wheelchair? I I'm wondering if he got so intoxicated. Well, that's, that's I think that's what the picture's implying. Yeah, the picture's implying that he got he partied so hard that he needed a wheelchair. <laughs> so, are you buying that? First of all, I guess why not. Okay, second part is, in the caption, in the tweet, he says, y'all were responsible for mm-hmm. this. No. Were they responsible? No, you were. So you control your own alcohol intake, sir. So that's a lie. Yes. Chief's Kingdom was not responsible. Yes. But he also said the crying laughing emoji, so. Here's that in front of it. Did but you see Tyreek Hill? Do you think he needed the wheelchair? I mean, probably not, like, in a grand scheme of things, but, like... <laughs> You know, if he was passing out and stuff, like probably for the best. Did you see Tyreek Hill quote tweet of this? What did he say? And he said, and this doesn't work for the radio, but the picture he was like, that's Chad Henney pushing him. It looks exactly like Chad Henney is pushing him. Is it That's Chad the Henney? real lie. I don't know. I don't think it is. It's a guy in like a, a yellow, you know, not so Chad Henney type Chad uniform. Henney. I don't know. Maybe not. Okay. Uh, last one I got here. This is uh, last minute edition. Okay. New head coach for the Arizona Cardinals, Jonathan Gannon. He was asked about his opinion of Kyler Murray. He said, um, I have a very specific vision of how I want to play on offense, and the person that comes in here to run the offense is going to understand that everything we do will be structured around the quarterback position to maximize his skill set, and we have an elite one. An elite one what? 
an elite quarterback. Are you sure? That's what he says. Is he lying? Uh, a, if we're categorizing it as under six foot quarterbacks, then yes, he's elite. <laughs> he's the greatest under the six greatest foot quarterback in the NFL, so that would make him in the elite NFL right now. Yes, hundred percent, dude. You should you should work for like a PR company for these teams because <laughs> you can spin this stuff however you want. I love that. I love that. Um, no, I don't. I don't think. I do think he's lying. I do think he's lying. I, I bet you. So he doesn't. You don't think he thinks Kyler Murray is elite because he's a defensive coordinator. I don't remember if the Cardinals played the Eagles, nor do I care. But if they did, I, they I did. guarantee you, in the film locker room, there's no way he said this guy is elite. No way. He might. He's have. just doing that, trying to get his confidence going, which you have to do. To be clear, he's not making the wrong move. He shouldn't go out there and go, "Yeah, our quarterback stinks." He's making the right move, but he's lying. You're sure about that? I feel pretty good about it. Okay. But if he's not lying, then he's just stupid because Kyler Murray is not even a top 10 quarterback. Of under six foot quarterbacks, yes, he is. All right. Again, good spin zone. <laughs> All right. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. We got some KU audio coming up next. Thanks for listening to the best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN and Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.